Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32 this morning. And I want to make a, a public apology to our men. One of the things we do on our staff here is every staff member doesn't have to go to everything. There's no bondage to attend every potluck dinner, every movie. But when we had buffet night, and I forgot, there's some things that you could conveniently forget. I didn't want to forget this. Look at me. I did not want to miss old time country buffet, but we need to change the name. It can't be men's gathering. It needs to be like gluttony Friday. And what we do is everybody that comes puts $10 in the pot and you all weigh before the meal and then you weigh after it. And whoever gained the most weight wins the pool. So gluttony Friday's coming soon to a church near you. No. Please forgive me. Uh, it's just better to tell the truth. I wouldn't have missed it. Kelly and I were walking, had a nice romantic walk. Grandma's watching the kids, and I was like, old times. I'd forgot. But I had a wonderful night without you anyway. Okay, stand with me. Genesis chapter 32. Ken told me he ate enough for both of us, so it all worked out in the end. Genesis 32, beginning with verse 24. If you're there, say amen. Who's on the screen? Amen. All right, y'all follow along. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man, angel, messenger, with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of it was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the angel said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. The angel said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall be no more called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, your name. And he said, Why is it that you ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrunk, which is in the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and it shrank. Would you stand with me just a moment more? I want to give just a brief introduction, and then pray, and then you may be seated. A lot of my Christian life I've heard the phrase, the Lord's been dealing with me about this. Sometimes in the context of years, they would say, uh, since my first marriage, the Lord has been dealing with me about this. You know, right after I graduated high school, the Lord's been dealing with me about this. Which would imply that we have never surrendered to that dealing. Many of us have not recognized that all these things against us could very well be not the devil, but the Lord himself who is wrestling with who we are, who is wrestling with where we are, who is wrestling with how we live and wrestling with who he wants us to become. God has picked a fight with some of you. And by resisting, you are losing. Victory comes in losing this battle. May I pray with us and for us this morning. 
Father, I humble myself before you as one who has resisted you in the past. And I found grace for those things. And I pray today, O oh Lord, that you would grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is capable and willing of receiving. May we bow our knee today, O oh Lord. May we bow our knee and not try to win the battle with you, but gain the victory by you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. First things first. God's fight with you is divine. It tells us in Hosea 12 who this angel was, who this messenger was. And Jacob even tells us at the end of this chapter, he said, I've seen the face of God, not a God, but God. Hosea 12 describes Christ, a theophany, uh, in the same way an angel can appear as a person. The Bible said, and because they do that and they ministered to you, some of you have entertained angels unaware. You didn't even know. Well, Christ can take on any form as well. He can take upon the form of a man, an angel, whatever. But this was a theophany, I believe, based on my study of the scripture, which is Christ appearing in another form, a messenger of God, uh, a minister of God. But it was divine. And when you have that idea that God will pick a fight with you. See, we think of bullying when we think of picking a fight. But that's not what this is. This isn't a fight like a fist fight. It's a wrestling match. A tussling. In a fight, you want to knock someone out. When you wrestle them, you want to break their will. You want to pin them up in such a way that they have, listen, no power, no strength, no advantage. God picks fights, if you will, wrestling matches with his children. It's initiated by God. It's controlled by God. It begins when he wants it to begin. He begin it begins where he wants it to begin. It, it happens as long as he deems necessary. And it has a distinct purpose. It's for the glory of the Lord. You've heard it called, uh, you know, wrestling with God or pruning by God or or the oven of God. <laughs> when I first got saved, I heard someone tell the story. They're talking about God puts you in his oven. And I'm a brand new believer. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I want to participate in the oven. He said, but God had me in the oven so long. He said, I was just shriveled to a crisp. And after years of pleading with the Lord for mercy, I heard the oven door open. Only for God to pull me out, flip me over to roast me on the other side. And I heard that and I was like, I'm not sure I want oven. I'm not sure I want wrestling matches. What you hear today in the pulpits of the West is a catered gospel that tells you God lives to bless you instead of God lives to change you. Like God, his plan, the blessing is a result. It's not the plan. It's the transformation of the life of the believer so there won't be any lag between here and home when he gets there. It's the transformation of the believer. And he wrestles with us. God's fight with you is chartable. And what I mean by that is it doesn't fall, follow exact patterns. You can't compare yourself to someone else. But you can chart your own divine interactions and find where God is uh, wrestling with you. Look at this. God's fight is always accurate. His wrestlings are accurate. They are measured, never too strong, 
never too quick. They are revelational. When God wrestles with you, you find who you are and you find who he is. They're transformational and they're destinational. To the person that benefits with these wrestlings and figures out that the way to win is to concede and surrender themselves fully to the Lord Jesus Christ, they find that that surrender, that acknowledgement, that humility opens the, devo- opens the door to divine blessing that could not be obtained any other way. God engaged Jacob in isolation. Look in your Bible in verse 24. It said that Jacob was alone. That's why some of us have been removed. God has moved people out. He has pulled us out. He has separated us from support. He has separated us from those that speak a certain way of us. He has kept praise from us because he knows when they're the voices of other people clamoring for attention, we will gravitate to them because they are not supreme in authority. They can be resisted. They can be manipulated, but not God. God waited for Jacob to be all alone. Now, the reason he's all alone is he's planning on seeing his brother Esau the next day from which he stole the birthright through deception, he and his mother, and he's scared to death. It's a period of darkness for him. As a matter of fact, some of Jacob's scheming and troubles, you know, I've shared with you before, it's our choices that reveal who we are and they prophesy our tomorrow. So Jacob knows they're about to meet Esau and he divides the group up in bands in case Esau and his army kills them. So if you're put in the front, how do you think Jacob views you? So certain of his servants, the donkeys, the mules, the goats, the sheep, and then certain wives went before other wives? Read it. What if you're the first wife? And back then, of course, polygamy for the nation of Israel was under a different law because God was trying to create the nation. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. But here's the wives, the children, the wives, the children, and then Joseph and them last. And then, well, that's why there was so much trouble. See, God moments reveal the true you. And Jacob was in darkness. He didn't know what to do. And so we find ourselves, when we find ourselves alone and without light, the works of the flesh always come because it's even preached When you don't know what to do, do something. And doing something reveals our carnal nature, which resorts to what we see, what we think, what we know, and we make our decisions based on miss, dis, and incomplete information, and it creates the mess that we normally live in. That was good right then. I thought that was, thank thank you very much, Jimmy. Keep Keep him awake. God engaged him in the night, the darkness, God engaged him personally. Now listen, God does not wrestle with you second person. He's not going to use someone else to bring you into divine freedom. He's going to wrestle with you by his spirit. Now he may use other people to do certain things, but it's the Lord himself that engages you personally. I love you as you are, and I love you too much to leave you like you are. See, when we're saved, he loved us right where we were. But after salvation, he goes, we're not staying there. There's going to be changes here. 
he, he engaged him in a way that was familiar. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that when Jesus, before Christ came through the womb of Mary in the New Testament, the times he appeared in the Old Testament, he appeared in familiarity. When he appeared to Abraham, who was going to be a traveler, a pilgrim, he was a traveler. When he appeared to Gideon as the captain of the host of the Lord, he appeared to a warrior as a warrior. Even though Gideon wasn't a warrior yet, he was going to be. And he appeared to a wrestler, a schemer, who wrestled with his brother and stole the birthright, who wrestled with Laban and took his resources. He appeared to him with, as a wrestler. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is this. God will deal with you and speak with you in a way that you'll know it's him. Saul said, I was on the Damascus road with letters to go and persecute the church. And he would take them out of houses and homes and synagogues and off the street. And he would commit them to death. And he said, and suddenly a light shined from heaven and knocked me off my mule. I fell to the earth. I was completely blind. And I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew tongue. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now back up just a moment. Why did he speak to him in a Hebrew tongue? Because he was a Hebrew. Some of you know who it is that's dealing with you. And we're acting as if the wrestling match isn't happening. God will let you know it's him. God engaged him relentlessly. It said until the breaking of the day. What that is, that verse is just a type to let you know that God's not going to give up at your first resisting. It will be relentless. It will be progressive. If the arm lock doesn't work, we'll do the headlock. If the headlock doesn't work, we'll do the suplex or the backbreaker or pile driver. For those of you that watch wrestling, we'll do all the above. If that don't work, the figure four will be brought out on you. Now, we're chuckling, but listen, the more progressive the wrestling becomes, the more painful it becomes. And God starts with dealing with our heart and speaking to our heart. But then he'll begin to touch our mind, our emotions, our body, our finances, our family, our future. More is at stake than your temporary comfort and pleasure. And he will disrupt it all to prepare you for eternity. God engaged him painfully. Now, I know this is not popular, and I know that I'll get some mail or email or some kind of chatter back telling me this is not true, but I've lived with the Lord for 30 years, and I will tell you my experience. God will hurt you but he will never harm you. Go to the dentist. Anybody ever had dry sockets? Okay. I didn't know there was such a thing as dry sockets. I would rather you put a pistol to my head and shoot me twice than deal with dry sockets. The lady kept telling me, you got to sit back up. The only thing in the chair is my head. The legs, everything's all out in the aisle. I'm just sliding down. And I'm like, you said you would numb it. It is numb. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We ain't numb up in here. You know, and you just hear a noise and your leg goes and raises up, just scared to death. That dentist 
hurt me for hours, hours. And the shots that were supposed to numb hurt. Everything in, it hurt going to the room. Because your body's all tipsed up and you're dragging. Everything in the dentist's office hurt. Except the thing I went in there for which healed. Some of us are at the point we're asking God verbally or in the quiet of our heart. Just leave me alone about it. And that's the worst thing you can ever say. Your discomfort, your trial, your affliction, your struggle is temporary and it worketh for you a far more exceeding weight of glory. And I know that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. God is not a tyrant. He's not a sadist. He doesn't glory in the fact that we have pain. But he will take us through the pain of therapy so we can walk fully. God will hurt you. He reached and touched. You know, I know I have a kind of a daft sense of humor. You might use another adjective. But I see funny stuff. All, I don't tell you all the stuff that's in my head. You... You'd seek another. <laughs> King James, you would seek ye another if I did. But where it said, he touched the inner part of his thigh and the sinew shrank. I don't want my sinew shrinking. This tendon just, it would have to come off the bone to shrink, wouldn't it? So it just, either way, whether it come off the bone or bent the bone. Either way, that's a bad day. So, so, Pastor Wood, what are you telling me? I'm telling you that God has been very gentle with you because you think you and him are in an even wrestling match, but all he's got to do is touch you. That shows his grace, his mercy, his sovereignty. He wasn't wrestling with Jacob because he couldn't find an angle. He could just... Destroy him with a touch. It was in his mercy that he wrestled all night long. And here's the point. But there comes a time when the day breaks. And the opportunity for that change is over. And that's why he said, let me go, the day breaketh. So, we've learned this morning that God's fight is divine and it is chartable. And it's also temporary. Well, Brother Wood, I don't believe that. God always the God of the second chance. Yes, but if you study scripture out. Do you remember when he called James, John, and Peter with him to the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, would you watch with me? And Jesus had favorites. I know you don't want to hear that, but he did. Out of the world, he picked 12. Out of the 12, he picked three. James, John, and Peter, y'all stay here. What did it seem like every time... That he took James, John, and Peter and the other nine. How many of y'all watch Survivor? How many of you watch Survivor? Come on, do you like it? Okay, okay. When the guy wins the uh, special reward and he can only take three people with him. And they all, you always want to watch the people on his alliance that weren't picked to go to the special reward. And then. So, you know there was contention between the twelve and James, John, and Peter. So anyway, just... Food for thought, you study it out. So he takes them into the garden and he said, my soul is exceedingly troubled. 
even unto death, which means the physical pressure that I'm under, the, the, the emotional pressure, it drew blood from his skin. It come out of his skin and he was in anguish. And they were sleeping. And he came back out and said, I need you to wake up. I'm by myself. I have no earthly support. I need you to stand in prayer with me. They slept. And on the third time, Jesus said, he came back and found them sleeping. And he said, sleep on and take your rest. My hour's at hand. Now just stop. That opportunity is gone. Well, the Lord is rich in mercy. Yeah, that opportunity to be his friend is gone. And there are windows closing on your opportunity to be a godly father, a godly mother. The window is closing on your opportunity to, uh, to, to wait on the right one. Don't just grab something. The opportunity uh, of making sure in his will, you have to make sure that you're not bucking the system because there's a day coming when he'll say, that's enough. Does he stop loving? No. Does he stop caring? No. Can we not pursue him for mercy? Of course you can. But that opportunity was over. Now, I want to just give you an illustration to hang this on. And I'm not trying to be cruel or mean, and this applies to anybody. Your story may be a little different, but it's like the man that leaves his wife and three children. You know, they're two, four, and seven. And he goes and chases some skirt at the office, and she and him hang out for 10 or 11 years, and he hasn't seen his kids grow up. And he comes back when they're 28, 29, 30. They can forgive him fully and love him and include him in Thanksgiving and Christmas, but those years with his babies are gone. They're gone. And all the forgiveness in the world never feels that ache in his heart where he feels, I failed my family. And I submit to you and myself in all humility that God is wrestling with us, but it's temporarily. And you can't bank on presumed grace to do it later. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time not to wrestle, but to hold on. Not wrestle, but hold on to God. Okay, look at uh, number three. It's strategic. God's fight with you is strategic. He wanted Jacob to see something. He wanted to see his sovereignty and his power. So he's wrestled with him, let's say, six, seven, eight hours. They are filthy, covered in sweat, covered in mud. Uh, the angel's not gaining any ground. And it would appear to Jacob like, I'm holding my own. And then he just goes, Doot. sinew <laughs> shrinks all the way up. You know, uh, I had my bicep tear off my shoulder several years ago. Y'all that have been here with me a while, you remember. And it was just a lump down here where your, your muscle used to be up here. And it's, Doot. and the guy I was with goes, ooh. He said, did that hurt? Did it hurt? And I was asked that all the time. I said, yeah, my bicep tore off the bone. Ooh, I bet that hurt. Yes. He, yes. So when, when God touched him on the inner part of his thigh, listen. What you do when God hurts you determines the rest of your lives. Not harms you, but hurts you. He takes that job. He takes that relationship. He takes that opportunity. He takes your plans. 
He takes something from you. He exercises power. God wanted Jacob to see that I could shut this match down in a moment, but I've been patient with you. Now look, he wanted Jacob to say something. Jacob said, when he said, let go of me for the day breaks, he said, I will not let you go. Jacob wasn't trying to win now. He was trying to hold on to the one that hurt him. And some of us today are not just hurt with people, but we're hurt with God. Because in the end, we can say, if you love me, why did you let this happen? If you loved me, why didn't you prevent this from happening? If you love me, why didn't you add this to my life? And here's Jacob. He's done his wrestling with God all night long. And he's been hurt by God. And all he would say was, I will not let you go. Without raising your hands, I'm wondering if there's someone here that's all but let go of that last finger. And they're going to start to re-grip the one who's wrestling with them. Because when I recognize who you are, then I know that the pain you've caused me is for an eternal weight of glory. I got to let this play out. I can't just say because you touched me unfairly, you touched me painfully that I will let you go. He not only wanted Jacob to say something, he wanted Jacob to want something. He said, I will not let you go except you bless me. Now there's more here than meets the eye. Jacob doesn't need money. Jacob doesn't need prosperity. He doesn't need lands or goats or camels or cows. He is wealthy. What was he talking about? What did he swindle from Esau? Come on. His birthright. The blessing. The spiritual blessing. Technically, he got it. But because of who he was, he could never receive it. And there are blessings that hover over us that we claim that are ours, but we have not met the criterion to receive them yet. It's kind of like in, in the natural realm, there's certain things you can't do till a certain age. How many of you got 15-year-olds you had to go get your learner's permit with? And you're like, just in case we're wrong, here we go, let's do this. You know, you're scared to death. 15, 16, and you got other babies, they're like 15. I want to go get my license. We're taking you when you're 22. 22. That ain't fair. No, but it's smart because you'll kill us and everybody else. You see, there, there's a reason that there are certain age limits and parents that know the particulars of the child and say that blessing is available to some 15-year-olds, but not you because that blessing would crush you. And God keeps blessings from us until the appropriate time so they won't crush us. I've told you this before, but can I give you one uh, about, it's a failure of my own. It's not anything good, but I want to get in the soup with you and let you know one of the ways the Lord wrestled with me. And I'll just give you the cliff notes. During the boom years, I call them, of our church, and I still believe the, the days ahead of us are going to be wonderful and grand and great but it seemed like everything we touched just worked as far as numbers. There's 1,200 people. You know, the church is growing. And I was never asked to speak at any district function about church planting. Then we planted one Robins. Then we're planting other churches. So we're planting churches. But in the district, I was never asked. And the guy, I went one time to minister's conference. And the guy teaching on church planting had planted one church. And they had about 30 people. 
In my flesh, I'm thinking, that ain't right. You want to know how carnal I am? I didn't say it. I'm a good Pharisee. I only thought it. I said, uh, do they know who I am? Uh, in my mind. Any of you have our carnal thoughts, carnal based? Okay, do the math. Catfish has 30. The beloved has 1,200. Surely, Lord. So I go to a... Di- I just was a thought I had, prayer I had with the Lord. And I go to a district meeting and they were electing a presbyter, which is kind of like the initial covering of the pastors over the pastors. So in middle Georgia, it would be Warner Robins, Byron, Centerville, Perry, Macon. And my name came up for the first time, 1,200 people. I didn't get to teach the class, but I'm nominated for presbytery. Well, they nominated that same guy again with 40 people. And I'm thinking, surely this is my moment of exaltation over him. So we're nominated. The vote goes to my boy. I'm thinking, who have I offended? Do they not know what a great guy I am? That's what I'm thinking. So then my name come up for the assistant, whatever the title was. It meant assistant to him. And me and a youth pastor, and I'm not, Brother Chris, no, no offense, but he'd never pastored. A youth pastor was nominated alongside of me, and I'm like, surely I shall gain the supremacy over this upstart. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Who is he? Vote goes down. My boy wins. I'm thinking, what meaneth this? Then there was one other position. I don't even know if it had a name. It was the third slot. And they turned around. They were sitting in front of me. And the guy said, let your name run. You'll win this one. (laughs) My name runs unattested. I win. And over the period, I don't know if it was that night or the next few days. And I'm being as honest with you as I know how to be. I said, Lord, why? I knew I was supposed to let my own run. I knew I was in his will and I was being manhandled by the Lord, not these people. They don't orchestrate my life. My Lord does. My steps are ordered. As clear as I've ever heard his voice, he said, I have kept and keep praise and recognition from you because you do not have the character to sustain it. Oh, And before I started to feel sorry for myself, I felt so loved. I felt so cared for. He said, you asked me to keep you. You asked me to keep you from a life of of being deceived or backslidden. And you do not have the character for that kind of praise. So he kept it from me because he loved me. He wrestled away from me. Approval and all these other things, which now, the older you get, how small that is to you. We are not who they say we are. We are not who we think we are. We are simply who God says we are in the end. But it's painful when you can't beat nobody in an election. (laughs) Nobody. John, we're going to run you next to his ferret. See if he can win one. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. See, God cannot bless someone until he's conquered them. So pay careful attention. We're almost done here. I will not let you go till you bless me. 
not physical things, not material things. He says, I want the blessing. Who you are in Christ. See, that is the blessing. And for you to say, I want the blessing. And immediately, the angel has stopped wrestling. He's halted on one leg. He is holding on to the angel. Or he wouldn't have said, I won't let go. Unless. And so the angel is dragging him. And he said, I'm not going to let you go. Till you bless me. And he asked him, what's your name? You want to be blessed? Tell me who you are. Because the last time you were asked your name, you lied. Your blind daddy was sitting in there and said, who are you, my son? He said, I am Esau, your firstborn. Come and let me feel of you. And he, he had stitched together garments with hair to deceive his father. He said, I want to know who you are. And we do not inherit God's blessing until we come clean with who we are. He said, my name is Jacob, which means I am a supplanter. I'm a schemer. I wrestled the blessing away from my brother and I wrestled possessions away from Laban and I'm always trying to get the upper hand and I'm planning to go see Esau and I'm doing it right now. And the angel spoke to him and said, Your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. Because you have prevailed with men and with God. If our musician would come, please. He prevailed with men by outsmarting them. He prevailed with God by doing nothing. Humility of heart. Humility of soul, honesty. He, he spoke to this messenger who he later knew to be God himself because he declared, I've seen the face of God and I lived. He said, I am a manipulator, a maneuverer. He wanted him to, to admit from it, not only admit, but to turn away from it. I want to tell you something, but I don't want to take all the time that's necessary. To um, Early on in my salvation, well, before my salvation, I've always been a hustler, make something happen, a manipulator. And uh, you can have a renewed heart and not have a renewed mind. And I remember going on the evangelistic field at God's bidding, and the Lord told me very clearly that I was not allowed to hand out any brochures or flyers or anything. This is before internet. So that's the only way anyone knew you was an evangelist. You hand them this little folder with a slick bio picture profile and all your recommendations. He said, you can't call anybody. Can't call anybody. You may have a business card and can only give it if someone asks you. Plain as day. So I go to district council. All the evangelists and missionaries have their booths up and there's pictures of them and all their handouts, handouts, handouts. And brother, air conditioning, y'all can turn it off now. I think they're, they're cool out here. I'm fine, but people are shivering. Uh, so all of them have their booths at district council. And I'm walking by going, ain't fair. 
ain't fair. I'm thinking, ain't fair, ain't fair. And they're greeting people, pastors walking up. Tell me about your ministry. And I'm like, pocket full of cards. They have to ask for them. Nobody asked. Nobody asked. Six months I'd preached one time. People say, how's evangelistic feel going? It ain't. It ain't going. I am wrestling with the Lord. Because my old nature says, I can, give me the phone. I can make it happen. But I didn't know I'd be a pastor later. And the Lord has showed me so graciously. Now he said, I had to get that out of you before you were a pastor so you wouldn't manipulate my people in this house. So I was in, my, in the little study and I'm crying, complaining, not quite accusational, but right at the door and I'm just trying to do your will and there's nothing on the books and I've got my little daytimer open to a certain page and I said, Lord, I just need to hear something. I need to book something here. I need this. I got to book something. Phone rings. AT&T. Remember those? There's a guy, Brother Wood, you don't know me from Pastor so-and-so, Millery, Alabama. I'd never heard of Millery, Alabama. Anybody know where Millery is? They told me, they said, we're going to the restaurant today. At lunch, they said, we're going to the restaurant. And the menu was whole or filet. That's all it was. That's how you knew what kind of catfish you were getting. So I'm in the room and I told the pastor, I said, I can tell you what month it is. He said, what? I said, it's one of these weeks that you want. He said, it's exactly what I was calling for. So we booked it. I hung up my phone. And it was like I grabbed him by the leg and I said, please change me. Please change me. Now, there are many areas you can ask my wife that still need changing. But when the Lord touches an area, you're good. I don't know that I've ever manipulated you one time to try to get you to give a certain thing or about talk about try to maneuver because I was whipped that day, that season. And I learned the freedom in letting him be all powerful. And if he can't provide for this house, we'll close the doors, close up shop. It's not my role. And some of you, you can narrow it down so specifically. He's trying to wrestle worry away from you. He's trying to wrestle control away from you or, or pride or ignorance or arrogance, whatever it is. But you've got to stop wrestling, which means resisting and just grab him and hold him. And he spoke over him. He said, I'm changing your name. Now you're still got to grow into it, but I'm changing your name. I believe the Lord is going to change people today by a simple touch. As painful as it may be, there are some limps that are beautiful. There are some limps that are just beautiful. The missionary, I heard tell the story of his life uh, missionary friend. Uh, he met him in the bush, an African gentleman. And he would walk with him and he would wrap banana leaves around his feet and they were all cut and infected for years and that, it was just horrible. And he said, and I love that man. He said, that, that man cared for me so much 
the beauty of him dragging his feet through that jungle let me know how much he loved me and the Lord. There were no shoes available. There's nothing there. And some of us have intentionally purposed to get out of this life looking good instead of being good. And he wants to touch those places. I know this is not popular. I know it's not common. But it is so essential. And when God spoke over him, you shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. He opened the doors for him to daily transform into that which God was beckoning him to become. And the rest of his life, Jacob dragged his leg. I said, oh, what happened? He goes, oh, it was good. It's good. And the sun rose upon him at Peniel, a brand new day. He went to bed as Jacob, and he woke up as Israel. What is God wrestling with you about today? Would you bow your heads? Take just a moment. Why are you fighting me? That's what I hear in my heart. Why, why are you fighting with me? Why would, you, why would you wrestle with me all night? Give me that thing. Give me that person. Give me that failure. Give me that mindset. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and I'll lift you up. not a man that I should lie, the Lord says. I'm not a, a, a child of men that I would need to repent. If I tell you something, I'm going to bring it to pass. But I have bigger plans for you. I have a bigger name for you than the one you've been called. Jacob, instead of prevailing over men through natural means, why don't you prevail over God by being humble? And receive the blessing. And receive the blessing. And receive the blessing. I just believe the Holy Spirit's doing a profound work in our heart today. The blessing is yours. You just got to be available for it. Very quickly, just as a, a shot to our pride, if the Lord is speaking to you specifically this morning, we're not going to come and work it out. We're just going to say, I don't care who knows it. I want to stand in the front and we're going to pray together and we're going home. If that's you, I want you to come. Just stand around this front. Give me 30 seconds and then we're all going to pray. Listen. When God touches that area of your life, 
he's going to leave a glorious evidence that he was there. There's no way around it. You, it'll be so noticeable to everybody else, and they may even feel sorry for you. You go, no, 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 no. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And Lord, only you can do that. Because men would hurt us to hurt us. Men don't know where to touch. Men don't know when to touch. And they don't know how hard to touch. But you, oh Lord, identify with us fully. And it's to you we surrender. And we say with sincerity of heart, but with absolute confidence, we will not let you go until you change us. Bless us, Lord. Change our name. Change how we, our default settings, oh Lord. Change how we see people. Change how we see you. Give us new priorities. Change us, oh Lord. I'm asking you to touch that area of my life, Lord. For the glory of your son, we pray. Church family, would you stand with us? Now, I don't know how this is going to play out for you in the altar here. But if God speaks something over your life through a sermon or when he told him, he said, your name is Israel. You don't have to figure out what it is. It introduces itself to you. You just walk into it from glory to glory to glory to glory. And the final thoughts for you to go home and do study as a confirmation for this. You remember Abram? Well, Abraham wasn't always Abraham. It was Abram. He said, Abram. Your name is not Abram. He said, I know. Abram means father and I'm not a father. He said, no, no, not in that way. Your name is Abraham. Your name is not father. Your name is father of a multitude. He said, huh? Now listen. They've been calling you the wrong name your whole life. You thought you couldn't even meet up to their expectations. But I have ordained and decreed that you are going to be the father of a multitude. And Abraham laughed. <laughs> Got his name changed. See, the name change happens before the glory scene. And he that begun a good work in you is going to perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.